Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com and there you'll find all the best parts available for your car or truck. And when it is done and finished and they ask, how did you hear about us? Write Locked On Podcast so they know that we sent you. Everybody, welcome to Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Estelani. It is Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Thank you for tuning in today. And obviously, the Tigers were off yesterday. They play tonight, starting a three-game set back at Comerica Park against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And because of the off day, I figured I'd bring on a guest today. And I'm very excited to be joined by Ethan Smith, the host of Locked On Pirates, looking to discuss these two teams in this upcoming series. Ethan, how you doing? Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, another off day for the Pirates. I think it's like our third or fourth off day already. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, well, yesterday was, but either way, I'm excited. I always like the AL versus NL matchups, and that's what the Pirates are in the midst of right now. We play you guys and then Minnesota, and then I think Kansas City. Yeah, so, to, it, who who is all of a sudden hot. Royals are in first place right now. So, yeah, that's going through that AL central uh, stretch. And, and I want to, I wanted to jump into this and that was why I was happy to have you on. Cause I do think there's parallels between these two franchises right now. The tigers are in year four and a half, five of their uh, rebuild and, and the pirates, I think completely uh, officially kind of uh, became set on the rebuild, probably around 2019. And I'm just wondering, because here in Detroit, people are frustrated. Uh, people are, are are tired of of having to go through this every year, especially considering you know it's a big market and Chris Illich has a lot of money, and it feel like they're not spending it wisely or not spending it at all at this point. What's just kind of your general mood of the rebuild right now? Are you willing to be more patient, or do you f- feel like the fan base is is just tense at this point and just excited to see see him show something uh, if, as far as the major league product goes? So. Where a lot of people are right now is you brought up 2019 and that was the year Bob Nutting finally just got tired of Neil Huntington and uh, Clint Hurdle and all those guys. And he basically said, okay, I'm bringing in a whole new group of people. He brought in Derek Shelton. He brought in Ben Charrington, who has the track record in Boston of winning a world series with a team that realistically had no business winning a world series. And so I think that's kind of reset the patience factor for a lot of Pirates fans is it's like oh cool we know Neil Huntington's not here to trade key Brian Hayes for basically nothing and I mean right now you look at what the Pirates are doing we're going into the series seven and nine if we somehow like defeat your Tigers in a two out of three series this team has a winning record or like a 500 record right now or something like Mm -hmm. around that you know I don't know how to do math sometimes but it's like you look at the trajectory now of the NL Central specifically, and the Cubs are behind us in the standings right now. They're in last place. If that continues, the Cubs are trending way down. 
And then you look at the other three teams, the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Brewers. The Cardinals are really the only one that trended a little upward this offseason. So you really don't know what's going to happen in the NL Central over the next couple of years. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates, a lot of their prospects that we'll probably talk about in a little bit, are slated to come up in 2023. So it's like, okay, you kind of put the trajectories together, and it's like, well, if the Pirates are good in 2023 and the Cubs aren't, the Cardinals get older and the Brewers may be losing people and the Reds may be losing people. The Pirates could be division favorites in two years. So I think a lot of people are just being a little patient. They also know we have the number one pick. I don't want to get into that conversation because I can't tell you who I want. Jack Later's, I mean, Jack Later and Kumar Rocker are absolutely ridiculous. I'll take either of them. I just hope we don't take the wrong one, if that makes sense. But I think people are pretty patient. I mean, they're still mad that we've only had four winning seasons since 1992, but it's the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think, is kind of the joke now. So the patience is there for people that actually want to be patient. How much faith do you have in ownership right now? Because I feel like that's the big kind of point of contention with this organization at this point is there's not, there has not been, especially in recent history, a whole lot of faith in nutting. Do you believe that when the moment comes where they got to make some moves, do you think that he he'll be able to, to spend the money and, and, and maybe, you know, fight in that upper, upper tier, that upper weight class with, with some of the big spenders because Pittsburgh is, is a big market. And, and you feel like they, I feel like even when they were really rolling, they never quite spent the money to, to get with some of those big guns that probably could have gotten them over the top. And I mean, it's very possible that he does, but it also, how does he want to do it with Ben Charrington? We haven't seen that yet. So whenever that does happen, that'll be a big deal because it'll be like, okay, does he instill enough money for Charrington to say, let me go get this extra pitcher I need, or let me go get this right fielder or whatever you need at that point in time. Track record says no, but we also haven't seen him with this new group in Derek Shelton and Ben Sherrington. And it seems that he's giving Ben Sherrington a lot of leeway in a lot of the things that he's doing, because if Neil Huntington would have tried to trade Joe Musgrove, Jameson Talion and Josh Bell in the same offseason, he probably would have laughed at him. And now he's like, okay, well, the pandemic kind of money struck us a little bit. If we can go and get some really good prospects and you're telling me three years from now when money's good again, like we'll be good again. That's where I think his, uh, his thought process will go, but it's only a time will tell thing. In, in general, were you happy with the returns for Tyon and Bell and, and Musgrove, or were you disappointed? For Bell, yes. I mean, for all of them, yes, but the most I still think was from San Diego. I mean, you got Hudson Head, who's one of the better outfielding prospects in all baseball. And then, I mean, you also pick up Andy Rodriguez, who's another good player from the Mets organization. But I really think the best one was still the Talion trade, arguably, just because Miguel Yahure is going to come up eventually. There's no way he doesn't. He played last year on the roster for New York. He looked pretty okay. He looked good in spring training. Our pitching staff isn't that great. I mean, we've given up the most first-run innings in baseball this year and somehow are still 7-9. and nine. Don't ask me how that happens. But, I mean, at some point, you're going to have to say, okay, Yahure is coming up, right? Then you have Kanan Smith, who's an outfielding prospect, who's going to absolutely rake in PNC if he ever comes up. I mean, he's a left-handed, he's a left-handed power hitter in PNC Park. That, I mean, like that's a, like a match made in heaven. And then you have other guys too that you picked up in those trades, like Will Crow could make an immediate impact from the Josh Bell trade. Eddie Yeen has shot up boards for like the last year or so, uh, and he's only 19. So 
I also said this on my pod once and people were like, yeah, a little bit, maybe I said the return for Tyone and Musgrove was better than the return we got for Garrett Cole. Some people were kind of like iffy about that. Some people were like, yeah, sure. Like Joe Musgrove then turned into all this stuff, but it's, I still think that the trades were really good. We needed to finally go in this direction of saying, okay, we're just rebuilding. We're not going to win 78 games and then be like, oh, maybe we'll pick up another piece and win 85 next year and then win 82 the next year. Like we're not in that purgatory anymore. It's like, okay, we're probably winning 65 games at max. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 Female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. Right. And, and I mean, the, the last place you want to be, the one place you can't afford to be as a baseball organization is in the middle. I mean, you're either you either got to be all in trying to win or you need to be essentially tanking for for prospects. And who's if you look at the roster right now, if you had to guess just in general, how many guys do you feel like are future pieces? How many guys do you think could be on this roster the next time the Pirates are in the playoffs? At minimum three, and that would be Reynolds or probably Reynolds, Hayes, and Keller. Even though Keller has just looked terrible again this year, I think he's going to fix it eventually. The kid's only 25. He has time to figure it out. And I mean, albeit he's been in the league for three years, but he still has time to figure it out. But I mean, if you're looking at bullpen arms too, like our rule five pick, Luis Oviedo, has looked really good. Hometown kid David Bedner from the Padres trade has looked really solid as well. So those guys I think will be in there as well. Starting pitching-wise, though, I don't think any of these pitchers are going to be there. 
when they start contending, except maybe Stephen Brault and Keller. I think that's it. And JT Brubaker's look pretty good too. So possibly him, but you also have to take in the small sample size. Colin Moran's another interesting name. They were handed the keys over to him at first base this year saying, okay, well, we traded Josh Bell. You're going to play first base now. Has always played third base primarily, but they handed the keys to him. I think he could. Outside of that, though, I don't see anybody else on this. Like, Polanco is going to be gone after this year. Fowler and uh, Dustin Fowler and Anthony Alford have not looked great in center field. Newman and Frazier are trade pieces at some point, especially Adam Frazier with the way he's hitting the baseball right now. And then I'd say Jacob Stalling still just because of his consistency, he'll probably still be there as like a 34, 35-year-old catcher. But at that point, you'll also probably be looking at Andy Rodriguez or another guy in the system to play catcher. So I'd say probably at least three, but no more than like six or seven. I mean, that's pretty good, I feel like, considering where they're at in their rebuild right now. I mean, you look at the Tigers, there's not any person on the on the offense, pitching, sure. But, you know, offensively that I can look at and definitively say, yeah, I think that guy's going to be here, you know, four or five years down the road. You brought up, you brought up the idea of prospects being called up in 2023. That's kind of their expected time of arrival. Is that the year in which, is that kind of the deadline that the fan base, a lot of the fan base has set for themselves that, yeah, if we're not, if we're not seeing traction, if we're not moving forward by 2023, people are going to start panicking. Um, I think yes, just because they kind of understand that this team just isn't good this year. They understand that. And they understand even next year, like Kumar Rocker or Jack Later can't pitch next year. Like it's just not going to happen. So albeit you're going to have the number one pick, but that number one pick's not going to play until probably 2023, 2024 at the earliest, depending on who they pick and how they develop. But I think that's where it is, is most rebuilds have been in Pittsburgh now have been set on that three-year track because of the 2013 through 2015 years where they made the wild card game and won one of three and almost to me should have beat St. Louis in the NLDS. But I don't like talking about that too much because, you know, got to love Michael Walker sending you out of the playoffs. But um, either way, I think 2023 is the year just because Charrington to me last year, 2020 was not a full year for him to actually evaluate players. This is his first full year where he can definitively say, I can evaluate key Brian Hayes, Phillip Evans. Um, even if you get Jared Oliva called up, Mitch Keller, guys like that, I can fully evaluate them now. You couldn't do that in 60 games where you only won 19 games last year. So usually for me, and this is where I think most people are too, two years should give you enough time to figure out who's here, who's not, while your prospects are there. So that's why I think 2023, I'm not saying necessarily the Pirates should be contending for a World Series in 2023, but they should definitely be in the the mix of the NL Central by that time. And if they're not, I think a lot of Pirates fans are going to get very impatient. Yeah, I think that's got to be the show me year. You know, and you're not asking you to go out and win the World Series, not asking you to spend splurge and spend 300 million on a starting pitcher, but there comes a point where you got to the team they have now has to be different than the team they're going to have in 2023 for for people's patience to avoid, you know, having having it run out. Now, it wasn't that long ago when Pittsburgh for a, a minute there was viewed as kind of a 
uh, a safe haven for revitalizing pitchers' careers. Uh, you know, Ray Searage, the pitching doctor who was there for a long time with Clint Hurdle, and the job he did with A.J. Burnett and the job he did with Francisco Liriano and Melanson and Grilly. I mean, there was a solid stretch of time where it seemed like if you were a veteran and you came to Pittsburgh, you had the ability to revive your career. And then they had that core of really young, good arms. You had Cole and you had Glass now. And for a little bit there, you had Musgrove. Obviously, he came up through the Astros system. Uh, what do you think it is that has led to these potentially generational arms? I mean, Cole is generational. Glass now is starting to look like it. Uh, and Musgrove looks really good in San Diego. What's What do you think led to them kind of just plateauing in Pittsburgh? Because it seemed like Cole, it, all these guys, Glass now and Cole especially, kind of took that next step after leaving uh, Pittsburgh. Is it the pitching philosophy? Was it the pitching coach? What do you think happened? So a lot of it too was like, especially if you go on the trajectory of talking about Glasnow, the team just wasn't very good. So it's very hard when you have a young pitcher like him to say, hey, go out there and do really well, but your offense is only going to give you two runs. So like, and that's kind of been the issue with Mitch Keller now is almost every start that he has, except the one win he has against Chicago this year, he's been behind almost every single time he steps on the mound. And it's so hard when you're so young to build up confidence like that because you immediately think, if I give up another run, I'm either one, getting pulled, two, this loss is going to be pinned on me, or three, what am I like? What am I doing about it? And like, it's not like the Pirates over the last four years have had a offense that spat top ten in baseball. Like, yeah, you had Josh Bell, you had Andrew McCutcheon at one point still, but that was like that kind of down, like moving down. You had Starling Marte and Corey Dickerson, but outside of that, there wasn't like a good supporting cast of an offense for pitchers. So I wouldn't pin it a lot on coaching. I think a lot of it is, though, too, especially with Glasnow, I think they rushed him too quickly. Mm. I do think that. I think he should have waited another year before he got called up. I said the same thing about Mitch Keller, and we see where we're at with that situation right now. Um, so the call-ups are a little weird. But now the Pirates do have like a new farm director. So I feel like that'll get fixed over time. And I mean, the next guy to come up after Keller is going to be Quinn Priester. It's going to be very interesting to see when he does it because he only played one spring training game and did not look good. But albeit it was one game. Let him sit in AAA, let him build his craft up and bring him up next year. That's what I've said about Quinn Priester. Do not run like. I understand rebuilds are a thing and people are very impatient, but if you want a rebuild to work, you have to be patient with it. And I think the patience factor with Glasnow especially was not there because he was expected to be the next Garrett Cole right after they traded Garrett Cole. That's a lot to put on a kid. That's a lot to put on somebody. So I would say it's more of the call-ups were wrong, but I think now with the new regime and everything, I think they're going to be a little more patient with it. Yeah, and, and that was going to be my next question is is now that because, yeah, I, I don't know who they're going to take. I mean, I think both of them are going to be great, but it's it, uh, pending something crazy. It's going to be between Leiter and, and Kumar Rocker for that number one pick. Do you have more faith now than you did, say, two, three years ago in the, the player development, especially in, in regards to their development in young pitchers? I would say yes, but I also still haven't really seen it just because we haven't seen our first round pick Nick Gonzalez play at all yet because of no minor leagues in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see that. 
but they're also working with a much better farm system this time than we have had in past years. Like Neil Huntington was notorious for not having a good farm system whatsoever. That's a big reason why in that 2013 through 2015 window, they couldn't take the next step because they didn't really have anybody to bring up to do it. So they had to trade for Marlon Bird and AJ Burnett and Liriano who helped like, don't get me wrong, but you didn't exactly have that arm in the system that could come up and be like the fifth guy kind of like San Diego has right now in Chris Paddock and Mackenzie Gore. Mm -hmm. um, so I trusted a lot more just because I think Charrington kind of understands the farm system a little more now. And he also, if you go look at the Pirates top 30 prospects for whatever reason for you Tigers fans, if you feel the need to do it, um, 16 of the top 30 prospects in our system are from Ben Charrington trades. Wow. So wow. he has his guys there. So he knows what he has for the most part, at least half of the players in our system, he knows what he has. And he also already inherited a Quinn Priester, Key Brian Hayes, Leo Verpaguero, Brennan Malone, Carmen Majinski, guys like that. He already inherited that, but he knows what he has elsewhere now and other guys like the guys I mentioned earlier, like a Tanaj Thomas, like a Kane Smith, like all those guys like Will Crow. So having the fact that you already have over half of your farm system, then you're adding a Jack later or Kumar Rocker. That's going to be 17 out of your top 30 prospects. Once Hayes gets off that book after this year, that are your guys. So you're going to like, you're going to see how he really enjoys it. Like I think Charrington enjoys seeing building a farm system. I really do, and it's nice to have that for a team that's rebuilding. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcast, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Absolutely. And, and I mean, to, to have faith in, in the current regime is it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's been, it's been a while since we felt that in Detroit. And that's where I'll transition here. Obviously three games set coming up at Comerica. You know, I like asking people outside of Detroit, this question, because when you're in the thick of things, sometimes you have a tendency to kind of, you know, wallow in, in, in your own pity sometimes, but I, I'm just wondering, you know, as somebody who's a fan of a, a team in, in the opposite league, as someone who's a fan of a team that's rebuilding, what's just kind of been, and maybe the limited action you've seen your assessment of where the tigers are at right now in their rebuild. Well, so as far as I know, you have some pieces like, I mean, you, we've seen a kill Badu like absolutely just rocket up everything right now. I don't know what in the world like happened there. You basically yanked Jose Urena away from the Miami Marlins, which I thought was a fabulous pickup for you guys. 
but I mean, I don't know a ton about your farm system. Like if I remember, like I'll actually look right now, but like, if I look at the names, I would remember them, but I mean, I could see that they're at least trying to add things to like the, the, the method of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just saying we're just bad. Like they're trying to actually like add pieces to something they think can eventually be good. Like, yeah, now that I look like Spencer Torkelson, probably going to be one of the best third basemen in the American league in a couple of years, in my opinion, just the way he plays another guy, Riley green for uh, like any pirates fans listening as well. Another good guy. I mean, like, you also have another Cabrera coming up soon, and Daniel Cabrera. I think you have a lot of pieces that are going to be working together, and also Jonathan Scope is one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball. I will say that, so I am happy to see him play. I think a lot of your rebuild, though, will hinge on when Miguel Cabrera's contract is gone, and I think that's where a lot of that pulls into. I think it's the same thing in Baltimore with um, Chris Davis. Like, whenever both of those contracts stop, and you can add even more pieces, I think that's where it's going to like really take that next charge forward. It, yeah, I, I think you're right. I The one difference between those two is Baltimore is not as big a market as Detroit is. Like they, yes. they, they are kind of using the Miguel Cabrera contract. Bad contract, but mm-hmm. that contract as a bit of a crutch to say, yeah. yeah, well, this is why we're not spending. When in reality, they're in the bottom third in terms of payroll, which when Dombrowski was here, is a place where they never were like there. Yeah. There's pieces. There's a lot of pitching. Uh, Daniel Cabrera, I think their last draft where they got Cabrera from LSU and obviously Torkelson number one overall, and they got Dylan Dingler, uh, the catcher out of Ohio state. Uh, that was a very good draft. That was the best draft they've had written possibly since the eighties. I feel like they, a lot of it depends on how these guys uh, develop, but uh, the, the, the problem I have with, our current rebuild and the problem I feel like you guys don't have is at least not yet. I mean, we'll see how guys, you know, come up through the system, but it's hitting with those little guys, like the, the adding the depth to your farm system, the way you have with the bell trades. And sometimes, yeah, you're not going to trade Josh bell. No one's going to give you a top 10 prospect. You're not going to get a Casey Mize. You're not going to get a, a Riley green for somebody like that, but it's, it's hoarding the guys who might, who you might hit with. And the tigers have done a fine job getting Mize, who was number one overall, Torque was number one overall. Green was top five. Matt Manning was top 10. The one outlier is Tarek Skubal, I believe, was a ninth round pick. And he's, you know, he's still unproven. It's just there's a lot of frustration regarding um, hitting on on those smaller tier guys. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most top heavy best farm systems in baseball, but it's not one of the deepest farm systems in baseball. And yeah, just regarding the kind of this series. Uh, in general, what's what do you feel like is is the expectation at this point? Because we're, we're both these teams are in weird spots. Um, you're at a point where you're you're a, aware of the situation, but we want to see them be successful. We want to see them win. Is the expectation for this set coming up? You're playing against a team that's lost four in a row, just got swept uh, at the Oco Coliseum Coliseum by the A's. Is this a series you look at and you're like, you know what, this should be a t- win two out of three, or is it? Hey, if you get out of there with one, it's all right. Well, I mean, it's seven and nine right now with the standings wise. Again, let me let me emphasize to everyone. It, it is early, but if the Pirates go in and sweep, they're 10 and nine. And when you look at who they play after this series in Minnesota, obviously me and you won't be able to lie each other and say that the Pirates will probably beat the Minnesota Twins. But I've also said this over the last week and a half that the Pirates have beat the Brewers in a series who are not a joke. They split a series against the San Diego Padres, who are clearly not a joke. And uh, again, without Tatis, but still, 
and beat the Cubs. I think if I if we started one and six, so that means we've won six out of our last nine games, if I can do my math correctly. So, I mean, obviously, I think the expectation would be go in and at least get one or two wins out of this series. You don't necessarily have to, but as far as how Pittsburgh fans feel right now, they're like, well, we have a better record than the New York Yankees. So are we actually not as bad as people said we were? And I mean, you also look at it again from a standing standpoint, the Cincinnati Reds play the Arizona Diamondbacks this week. The Diamondbacks aren't exactly a joke either. They're not that great either. But I mean, if Cincinnati drops two there and we pick up two here, Cincinnati has eight losses. We have 10. We're right there with them. So like, that's what I like about it, though, is they need to instill a competitiveness in like these young players. That's what I think. Like you can lose as many games as you want. As long the only two games the Pirates have had or three games the Pirates have had this year that I said they should not have won were the two games against Cincinnati when they beat us like 14 to one and 13 to whatever it was this past Saturday against Milwaukee. And it's actually four and the Saturday game on opening weekend against Chicago. Every other game, if you look at it, we've technically been in those games. So I think the expectation would be at least get one, but two would be nice. No, it makes a lot of sense. And the Tigers, you know, pitching, they're not going to be pitching Boyd, who just pitched yesterday, who's been their best starter. You got Spencer Turnbull coming back uh, from COVID-related stuff, so I don't think he's going to give them a ton of innings. And then your Urania's uh, and Fulmer are kind of mysteries at this point. Uh and I agree with you, by the way, about that, like instilling that competitiveness, because it's one of the arguments I've made about the Tigers is I think you can lose games and maintain a winning culture. And, and I think that yeah. a lot of these guys that the Pirates have, that's a very young team, don't know how to win at the major league level yet. So you got to start, you got to build from the ground up and be like, hey, look, if we just try to see if we can get win one tomorrow and let's see if we can win two and then let's see if we can get on a winning streak. Yeah. So I agree with you completely about just the idea of just kind of in, instilling the idea of of belief really of the idea of that you can, you can win every day, depending on you know how well you play last question. They're seven and nine right now at the end of the 2021 season, where do you see the pirates stacking up? Is this still a, a team that's going to get probably a top five pick 65 to 70 wins. I, yeah. still think, I think at some point they are going to have that drop off where they lose like six in a row again, like they did start mm-hmm. the year, but they just won't come back from it. Like they have already. Yeah. And I already said this too. I mean, they have 65 runs of their credit so far through their first 16 games. Yeah. They've given up 81, but if you take those Reds games away, they have a positive run differential. Well, like in some light of it, if you only gave right. up like half of those runs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, the fact that people said that this team was going to lose 100 games when you have guys like a key Brian Hayes who's an NL Rookie of the Year candidate, Adam Frazier is a 300 hitter on good on good weeks. Brian Reynolds before last year was a 300 hitter at every level of baseball he ever played in before last year. Mm-hmm. Colin Moran's no joke at first base right now. He's hitting the baseball really well. And then, I mean, your bullpen at one point this year, like this past week, I think they had 11 consecutive scoreless innings. Hmm. Like you're not, it's not like this team is a joke. Like now if they lost hundred games. I'm not saying I would be surprised. I just don't think they will. I think the minimum amount of games they win is 65, the maximum and this is like super best case scenario is 75. If yeah. this team wins 75 games, you might be talking about them making moves this offseason to win 80 to 82 games the following year. And in 2023, you really could be talking mm-hmm. about a lot more than just the division. 
but that's like super best case scenario. Right. Like I'm saying like 75 wins would be like, whoa, the Pirates won 75 games. And I mean, that the way the division's going, that might not even be last in the NL Central, the way the division's going. And I mean, it just depends. I, I still I still put them in the 65 to 70 range. Yeah, that's probably about right. I mean, I, I think they've been a nice, you know, they, they've surprised me a little bit so far. Um, I think, you know, it's, I don't think it'll be as much of a bloodbath as people said preseason because I, mm-hmm. that division, like you brought up, is not that strong. I mean, I think there's, I don't, there's teams obviously in there capable of making the playoffs, but only the Cardinals, I would say, are capable of maybe winning a playoff series. But a lot mm-hmm. of baseball left. Ethan, I appreciate you joining us today. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, of course, you can find me at Locked On Pirates. Uh, you can also find me at MVP underscore Ethan. You'll see me probably tweeting about the Steelers drafting an offensive tackle next week in the NFL draft. You know, just a random thing. Uh, everybody in Pittsburgh wants a running back round one. I keep saying we don't need one. But uh, you'll probably see me just tweeting a bunch of antics like Colin Morant smiling. Now I have this meme where it's from, um, what's it called? Uh, what was that show? Uh, 13 reasons why where the main girl says that damn smile all it ever followed was trouble and it's just Colin Moran smiling so yeah I mean you'll see all of my random tweets about the Pittsburgh Pirates I mean I think I had one blow up the other day that was like the not last place Pirates and everybody loved it for like no reason but that's where you can find me at locked on Pirates or at MVP underscore Ethan I'm easy to find All right. Well, we appreciate it. And we appreciate all of you listening. That will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be right back here tomorrow recapping the first game of the series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Thank you again to Ethan for joining us. We'll see you later. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.